Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. is the sword of the spirit and uh as pastors already said we've been studying about the word of god in our 37 days of consecration so this study during this time is founded on the belief that the bible is the living word that the bible is the voice of god himself brother david am i in an okay place do i need to move great i love the word of god how about you i love this book has changed my life I'm passionate about it. Uh, I want it in my heart. I want it in my mind. I want it in my soul. I want to ingest it. I want to study it. I want to read it. I want to memorize it. I want to quote it. I want to pray it. I want whenever life squeezes me, I want the word of God to come out. Because its gospel is holy. Its precepts are binding. Its principles are timeless. Its history is true. And its decisions are unchangeable. Forever, O Lord, thy word is established. It's settled. This is the literal inspired. I know I'm telling you what you already know, but just work with me for a minute. This is the literal inspired, God-breathed word of God, all of it. It's either all true or none of it's true. It's either all relevant to us today or none of it is. There's no middle ground. And uh, when we did our personality tests, you know I'm a beaver. So I, it's just the way I like it. It's black and white. It's right and wrong. It's this way and that way, no middle ground. I'm thankful for the established word of God. When we get into God's word, when we know his heart, when we know his mind, when we know his ways, when we know what his word says, then we're going to shape our life experiences what, by what we know to be true of the word of God, not what our emotions tell us. That way, when things come that rock us, My emotions aren't leading me. My mind is not leading me because I've got the word of God in me. So the word of God is leading me. And he's equipped us through his word with everything we need to live a victorious life. Aren't you thankful for that? Uh, Tonight we're going to talk about the sword of the spirit. This is found in Ephesians 6. It's part of the armor of God that Paul tells us about. How many of you would agree today that we're engaged in spiritual warfare? Amen. Amen. I believe in this day, as in never before, to live a Christian life is to live counterculture to this world. I remember my in-laws talking about when they came to the Lord, there wasn't a large margin between the church and the world when it came to dress, when it came to actions, when it came to just a moral lifestyle. But that's not so today. Today, to live a godly life, to live a God-centered life, is to live completely counterculture to this world. And Satan hates it. He hates us. And he has launched an all-out attack against us. And we are in this battle, whether we want to be or not. It's spiritual warfare, and we don't have a choice. If we live for God, we're in a battle. We're in a battle. It's a spiritual warfare, so it's invisible. We can't see it. It's taken place in the heavenlies, this spiritual warfare. But make no mistake, it is absolutely real. Absolutely real. And sometimes we're tempted to put a face on a spiritual battle. 
because somebody's causing us issues or somebody's coming against us. And so we put that face on this spiritual battle. But to, if we're going to blame anybody, let's look behind that. Let's not take what the visible is for what the truth is. It's Satan behind it. It's Satan who's the enemy of our soul, and he's coming against us. Ephesians 6 and 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Can you say, Hello 2020? <laughs> this is a spiritual battle, so physical weapons aren't going to win. Your words won't get the job done. Ain't no, ain't no good fussing on Facebook. Not going to get anything done except fussing. You can't throw money at it and make it go away. You can't, through your human strength or your human reasoning, fight this battle because it's a spiritual battle. So to fight a spiritual battle, we got to have spiritual warfare. If we want weapons that work, we have to put on the whole armor of God. Y'all are helping me so good. Thank you. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So to pull down strongholds, according to this scripture, to pull down strongholds, to bring about true change in ourselves and in those around us requires us having the armor of God, the armor of God. So we go back to Ephesians 6. Paul tells us what it is. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high place. Wherefore, because of that, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. He tells us to withstand and to stand. It's two different things. He says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation. I'm reading fast because I'm trying to get to the sword. And the sword of the Spirit. There it is. Which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So, we've got the belt of truth. We've got a breastplate of righteousness. We've got our feet shod with the shoes of peace. We've got a shield of faith. We've got a helmet of salvation. And then we've got the sword of the Spirit. So, where's my Bible study, ladies? Y'all know about this. C.H. Spurgeon said, To be a Christian is to be a warrior. His occupation is war. As he puts on piece by piece of the armor provided for him, he may wisely say to himself, This warns me of danger. This prepares me for warfare. This prophesies opposition. God wouldn't have given us an armor if we weren't going to be opposed. 
The sword of the Spirit is unique because it's the only, the only piece of the armor that Paul actually describes. He says to put on the helmet of salvation, and that's all he says about it. He says to put on the breastplate of righteousness. But when he comes to the sword, he said, take the sword of the Spirit, and then he says it's what? Which is the Word of God. So he, he describes it to us. And then we understand it's the only offensive weapon we're given. We understand that to withstand attacks of the enemy, we shouldn't always take a defensive posture. Because Paul speaks about withstanding and about standing. We're not only to defend, but we're to attack with the word of God. Use our sword. Fighting the enemy of our soul sometimes means taking an offensive position. It means moving forward. It means being proactive. It means maintaining your posture of victory. I'm standing in victory. Pastor says we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. I'm standing in victory. That's what standing firm is. I'm standing in victory that Christ won for me on Calvary. But it doesn't mean I'm going to stay right where I am. Standing doesn't mean necessarily standing still. It means you maintain the position you've been given in Christ. And when we understand the power of God's word, Hebrews 4 says, for the word of God is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. When we understand the power of this sword, when we understand the power of the word of God, then we understand the power of this sword we've been given. I think it's, it's neat that the sword is the only offensive weapon provided, even though there's so many pieces of armor. The Roman soldier, and I've got a really cool picture of one. Google images for the win. The Roman soldier, this is, this is exactly what the Roman soldiers look like in the Bible. <laughs> but if you'll notice, the Roman soldier's got his sword sheathed. In one hand, he's carrying a shield. Yes, in one hand he's holding a shield, and in the other hand he's carrying a spear. So this picture depicts what a Roman soldier would have looked like in Paul's day. He almost always stood with a spear and a shield in his hand while his sword hung at his side. But Paul concentrates our offensive weapons into one. He doesn't tell us to take up a spear of anything. Now, we are to have a shield of faith, but he lets the spear go. He says, take up the sword of the spirit which is the word of God because we use the sword the word of God and that's our only weapon that we need everything we need is in the word of God everything that every battle we're going to face the answer is in the word of God every question we have is answered in the word of God it's the answer to every battle so when he talks about the sword of the spirit the word of God he's referring to a sword much like what we would call a dagger it was about 18 inches long, and it was very sharp, had a double edge. meant it was sharp on both sides, sharp all the way around, and it was perfect for hand-to-hand -hand combat, a short sword. This was the, short, the sword the soldiers would use when the opponent or the enemy was close by. This dagger-like sword was quick to, to withdraw. They held it high on their side, and they could withdraw it quickly to use it. Oftentimes, the enemy wouldn't even see it coming because it was so easily handled by the soldier. He would just reach in and grab it and strike. And one, it was so deadly, so lethal, that one well-placed strike of this sword meant death.
to the enemy. So by Paul using this sword as an example of what we need to use to fight the enemy, it lets us know that sometimes the enemy is going to be right in our face. You ever felt that? If you could see in the spirit world, you'd see him just right here. Sometimes it's going to feel like the warfare that we're engaged in is hand-to-hand combat, like the enemy's all up in our space. Like you want to say, take a step back. He's right here. There are times that you can see the enemy moving in your situation. There's times that in the night you struggle. You're battling fear or intimidation. The time you see the enemy at, the, at work dismantling everything you hold dear in your life. Perhaps he's working in the lives of your spouse or your children or your loved ones. Sometimes it seems like he's all up close and it's one blow after another. And that enemy is right in your face. That's what the sword of the spirit is for. It's to equip us for what Paul calls in verse 13, the evil day, the evil day. The evil day is when all hell breaks loose in your life. The evil day is when the enemy is up close and personal. But we've got a sword. We've got the the weapon, the best weapon. We've got the only weapon that will defeat him. Let's not miss the point that the only offensive weapon is the spirit's weapon. It's not our sword. Paul didn't say, get you a sword. He said, you take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's the spirit's sword. It's a spiritual weapon. It's the weapon used to fight in the spiritual world on our behalf. There's no other weapon that's so piercing There's no other weapon that's able to divide between the joints and the marrow. There's no other weapon that's so penetrating to go to the thoughts and the intents of a heart. You might not know what you're fighting against. You may know it's spiritual, but you can't identify it. But this word can go to the very thoughts. This word can go to the very intents of the heart of the one that's against you. It's a two-edged sword, and whichever way it strikes, it wounds and it kills. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful for the sword of the Lord, the sword of the Spirit? The power is not in us. When we take the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, into our feeble hands, we don't have to be strong. His strength comes through us. His strength is in the Word. The strength is in the Word, not in the person. Jesus used this method against Satan when he was in the wilderness during his 40 days of temptation. When Satan tempted him, Jesus responded, It is written. It is written. And then through Paul, he's telling us, Take that same sword. What a high honor to be allowed, even commanded, to take the sword of the Spirit, to take the same weapon that Jesus used, and now it's been placed in our hands. What a high honor that is. What a high honor. Another thing that C.H. Spurgeon said, says, does the timid heart inquire, wherewithal, my master, shall I meet my adversaries? Here, saith the Holy Ghost, take this. This is my own sword. I have done great marvels with it. Take it, and nothing shall stand against you. Nothing shall stand against you. It's the sword of the Spirit. It's the Word of God. Three different words in the original scriptures are translated... uh, word of God. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I looked all this up on a very reputable Bible site. The first one is called graphe, spelled G-R-A-P-H-E, and it literally means the book. 
It means the word, it's, it's referencing the words on a page, the ink, the paper, the book itself, the physical word of God, graphe. It's used 51 times in the New Testament. And uh, one of the times is in Luke 4 when uh, Jesus was in the synagogue on the Sabbath day and they brought him the, the uh, books of Isaiah to read. Remember that? And he stood up to read and then he said, this day is this word, uh, in, is, is this word in your hearing? That he's talking about the literal book, the literal writings, the literal scrolls. That's a graphe. How many of you are thankful that you have a literal Bible, a literal word of God, something that we can read? I'm so thankful for it. As much as I love my Bible app, I've got it on my phone, got it on my iPad, got it on my computer, I love it. But there is still nothing like having the literal word of God that you can hold in your hand, that you can highlight. That If you, if you do that in your Bible, I do. Mark it up. Put, put clips in it and put markers in it and pieces of paper in its pages so you can know this is the literal word of God that I'm holding in my hand. That's the graphe. That's the graphe. It's important because that's how we come to know the word of God. I remember one time uh, we gave my father-in-law always liked a particular type of Bible. And uh, he got one one year for Christmas. And they had changed I don't know if it was the size of it or the printing or the format, still the Bible, still the same one he'd always used, but all of a sudden his scriptures weren't in the same place. And we laughed at him until I changed Bibles, and then I was like, ah, it's supposed to be on the left side, down at the bottom, I know where it is. I'm so thankful for the word of God that I can hold in my hand because when troubles come, the Lord will bring his word to your mind. But sometimes when I get down to pray and I want to pray a specific prayer, I can't always just necessarily think of that scripture. But I know where it is in the Bible. I know where it is. I'm so thankful to have that. That's the first word. The second word, there's three of them. The second word in the original scripture that's translated word of God is logos. This is the expression of a thought. Uh, In Matthew 24, it says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words, that's logos, shall not pass away. That thought shall not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will stand forever. Now, I may lose my physical Bible, this copy. I may lose this, but that doesn't mean his word is going to pass away. So the logos is the thought. It's the expression of a thought. So we have the book, the words on the paper, and now logos is when we get the message of this. This is when the logos is when we understand what the word of God is saying. Have you ever read something or heard something from the Bible and you didn't really understand it? Ever been to Revelation? (laughs) But Logos is when it is explained to us and we understand. Pastor has said we pray for Revelation because we can understand something once the revelation of God's light falls on it. But when we're in service and the pastor asks us to turn to a specific passage, we read it and then we hear it expounded on That message settles in our heart, and it becomes clear what God is saying through his word. That's logos. That's taking the printed word of God and expressing it into my heart, into my life. That's logos. And then the third one, this is the one that Paul uses when he's talking about the sword of the spirit. It's translated rhema, the rhema word. The first time that word rhema is used in the New Testament is when Jesus responded to the devil's temptation. 
Matthew 4, he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, rhema word, that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So the rhema word, the spoken word, is how we go to war against the enemy. That's what Jesus did. That's the sword he used was the spoken word. The spoken word. John 15 and 7 says, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. But we've got first, before we can ask, and before it's done, we've got to abide in his word. And his words have got to abide in us. So I've got to get it in me somehow. Romans 10, 8 says, What saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word, the rhema, the word of faith which we preach. Rhema is the spoken word of God. The word of God, the rhema word of God, is when you're sitting in church and you hear the pastor preach or teach and you feel like you're the only one there. It's because the verse he's talking about or the passage that he's reading, the logos, the message that you're receiving is personal to you. Have you ever had a moment like that? Have you ever had that thought of, been listening to my conversations? Who told him? How did he know exactly what I needed to hear? Because that's God speaking to you through his word. It's when you're having your personal devotion, your time of devotion, you're down reading your Bible, and all of a sudden... It's like the Holy Spirit takes a highlighter to the Bible and some scripture that you may have read a hundred times before pops out to you and all of a sudden it becomes alive to you. That passage leaps out at you. It grips your heart and you know God's speaking directly to you. That's rhema word. That's the rhema word. That's God giving you his sword, his word, to use against the enemy in, his life, in your life. So we read his word. He hands us the sword, and he's saying, here, you're going to need this. You've got an enemy coming in the days ahead. You're going to need this. That's how we go to war against the enemy. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. Mm. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. 1 Peter 1, 25 says, But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. The rhema word. The spoken word. That's the sword of the spirit. That's the sword of the spirit. So the next time a scripture comes alive to you, whether it's preached over the pulpit, whether you hear it on a podcast, whether you read it in your time of devotion, whether someone says it to you, however, whenever it happens, the next time a scripture comes alive to you, just know, God's handed me a sword. God's handed, I'm going to need this in the days ahead. God's handed me a sword. He's handed me the sword of the Spirit. You're being armed. You're being prepared in advance of the attack. So we need to catalog it. We need to make note of it. We need to highlight that scripture. We need to write it down. We need to, however you take notes, we need to take note of it. We need to keep record of it because you will have opportunity to use it. Because God is forewarning you. He's forearming you. Sometimes the sword you're being handed is to help fight someone else's battle. Sometimes it's for your own battle. So don't discard it. How many times, we're so human, how many times have we been touched or impacted by the word of God in a service and we leave and say, wow, that was awesome. 
and by the next day we can't tell you what it was but it was awesome we didn't write it down we didn't record it we didn't catalog it we didn't make note of it or how many times have we been in our prayer closet and we feel like God is speaking something to us and we think I'm gonna remember this night the rest of my life and then we go on our merry way and we forget and then we find ourselves in a situation that we're faced in. We find ourselves in a battle and we say, God, where are you? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? He tried to give me a weapon that he created specifically for that battle and I discarded it. I don't want to be guilty of that. I don't want to be guilty of that. So let's stop it. Let's not do that anymore. Let's take Note that from now on, whenever we hear that scripture that comes alive to us, whenever we read that scripture that comes alive to us, whenever we, somebody gives us a scripture that comes alive to us, let's write it down. Let's make note of it. Let's highlight it. Let's catalog it because you're going to need it. You're going to need it. Hide his word in your heart. Read it. Study it. Ingest it. Memorize it. Stand on it. Speak it. And fight with it fight with it again the sword of the spirit the sword of the word of the lord is the only weapon that's both offensive and defensive it's the only piece of the armor that we're given that's both offensive and defensive so rather than cowering in the corner waiting for an attack how about we take the sword of the spirit on the offensive i think sometimes perhaps we're guilty of using it too much on the defensive and not enough on the offensive we don't need to stay in our own territory and wait for the devil to come to us and then say, well, I'm going to get you now. How about we go to him? Amen. How about we don't wait for him to come to us? How about instead of being dis how about instead of just being satisfied with living in the light, how about we take that light to those around us? It's dark around us. How about rather than staying in our own territory, let's take this weapon on the offensive and spread some light to the darkness. How about we not merely be sober ourselves, but how about we attack drunkenness and drug addiction? How about we not be content with just bringing our kids to church? How about we get involved in Christian education? You knew I was going to put a plug in for that. How about we teach other children and carry the war over the border? Your kids in the back right now, I've got some awesome teachers learning some awesome things. They're learning the Ten Commandments. How about instead of just being satisfied with coming to church, how about we be the church? How about we take our sword? How about we go on the offensive? How about we take it to him? How about we set the atmosphere? Instead of allowing the atmosphere to be set and then we walk into it and think, oh, what am I going to do about this? How about we set the atmosphere? How about we take it with us? When I go on my job, I'm going to set the atmosphere. When I go to my school, I'm going to set the atmosphere. When I go to my house, I'm going to set the atmosphere. How about that? It's both defensive and offensive. The times that our country has been at war, it's been better for us as a nation to fight the war on the enemy's territory. The last war, other than when we were bombed in Pearl Harbor, the last war I can think of, I was trying to run quickly through my mind, that was fought solely on American soil was the Civil War. Sister Vicki, you're a history buff. Am I, am I right? I believe I am. Awesome. That's all I needed to hear. I wasn't alive in the Civil War, and you weren't either, but we've studied it enough to know that it had terrible, widespread effects. It was fought for a just cause, but it had some terrible effects. 
it, our people, it had effects on our people that weren't even fighting. It had effects on our land, land, crops were destroyed, homes were destroyed. It took a long time to recover from that war that was fought on our territory. So I don't want war here. I don't want it in my church. I don't want war on my territory. I think that's too great a chance for devastation. I've seen the devil come into a Christian's territory and there be some fallout with children fallout with spouses, fallout with just some other devastation. I don't want to take that, that chance. So I think it's wise to keep the war in the enemy's regions. But now he's just dumb enough to try to come into my territory. So that means I'm going to have to go to his territory. That means I'm going to have to get out into the world. I'm going to take the sword of the spirit with me and get on the offensive. Perhaps if we would fight the devil more in the world he wouldn't be able to invade our territory so terribly. Perhaps if we would take the battle to him. And so we pick up the sword of the Spirit and we fight. We fight. It's worth it. It's worth it. I want to fight battles that my children don't have to fight. I want to fight battles that my grandchildren never knew were ever an issue. I want to fight battles in this town, in this community, in our school, in, in our nation. I want to fight battles, but for us to do that, we can't cower in our own territory in the corner and wait for the devil to bring it to us. We need to step outside. We need to take this, the scripture, the sword of the Lord. We need to take the word of God on the offensive. This sword fits every hand. It's not just for men, not just for women. Can I say something? Um, who was that guy that told Beth Moore to go home? John MacArthur. Nobody's listening online. They'll never know I said this. Uh, they're not listening to me. <laughs> Brother David's going to mute me. Um, there was a, a, a symposium here in the last few months, and uh, it was this man that is hes just a bitter old preacher is what he is. And um, you do have me muted, don't you? And so they decide. Thank you. I got, I've got permission. Uh, they decided. going home. Now, I was raised by Bishop. Anybody know what Bishop thinks about? <laughs> I'm still under submission. Yes. I am not a pastor. I am not a preacher, but I'm not about to go home. I am not about to stay home. This is the sword of the Lord. It fits every hand. It fits man's hand and women's hand. It fits old and young. And I plan to take it. I'm not going to sit at home 
I'm not going to go home and be defensive with it. I plan to be offensive with it. I plan to go hunt the enemy down on his territory because I'm a little sick of some of the junk he's been pulling. I'm tired of living in a town that is overridden with drugs. So better than sitting here in my own four walls and applauding myself because I'm drug-free, I'm going to go out into the community. I'm going to go into the darkness. <laughs> I'm going to go into the darkness. I'm going to take the sword of the Spirit. It's not my sword. It's not my weapon. It's God's. And I'm going to fight that. When you go on a job, you may not like your job. You may be in a job that's got a bad situation or a bad atmosphere. Do you realize who you are? Do you realize that when you take one step, the enemy trembles? Do you realize when you take a step in faith, when you say, in the name of Jesus, I'm getting ready to go into this job, do you realize all of hell shakes? I don't care how old or young you are. I don't care what shape you're in physically. You shake hell. Brother Chester preached a message one time that said, if you could hear what hell's saying about you, you'd be encouraged. We are scaring the mess out of the devil. Because we have to, first of all, we have to acknowledge whose name we go in. We go in the name of Jesus, the creator of heaven and earth, the creator of male and female. The creator, he is one God. He was before time existed. He will be after time exists. He is forevermore. He is the only faithful one. He is the savior of our soul, the creator of us. We acknowledge that. And then we acknowledge that we're covered by his blood. The blood that he shed on Calvary. The power that raised him from the dead lives in me. And it lives in you. When I know that... And I start walking into this job that's got a bad situation, got a bad atmosphere. The whole atmosphere changes. The whole atmosphere changes. It's the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. David told you a little bit about what happened uh, the last night of NYC. I was going to tell you another uh, story that was told. One of uh, the pastors that Pastor Gill is over, uh, Brother Shannon Scott, they've been here to um, to our church. They pastor a wonderful church in Michigan. She's actually one that spoke at the ladies' conference for those of you ladies that went. Uh, she said that when the service was going, she heard something, like a roar. She thought it was the air conditioning. Uh, we were in this big, several thousand young people gathered, and uh, the pastor and the minister was up preaching, and she said she heard this roar, and uh, she thought the air conditioner units had kicked on, and she said it got louder and louder and louder until it drowned out. She could still see what was going on, but she couldn't hear it because of this roar. And she looked up, and when she looked up, the Lord allowed her to see in the Spirit. And when she looked up, she saw, she said, innumerable angels. And they were all in battle gear, and they were marching. What she heard was their footsteps, they marching. And she said it covered, they were above her, it covered the whole sanctuary as far as she could see. And then she felt something settle on her. And it was, it was an angelic being, and, and the angels settled. They were warrior angels, and they settled on each person. So every one of you that were at NYC, you brought a warrior angel home with you. I've been keeping mine busy, telling him where to go and what to do. <laughs> I believe this stuff. But she said before, while they were still in this, in the, uh, kind of in the air, while they were still, they were in formation and marching, and she said she could hear their footsteps. And then she said she felt fear. 
and it wasn't her. She said, I wasn't afraid, but she felt fear, and she saw angelic beings. You know, we picture this, the devil as being in a red suit and having horns and pitchfork. He's not. He's clothed in light. He's clothed in beauty, but she saw these angelic beings trying to get out, and she said they were screaming because they couldn't get through. They couldn't get through this host. They couldn't get through. That reminds me, if we could just open our eyes to the spirit world, what we have got is so powerful. This sword of the spirit, the word of God, when we speak, mountains move. When we speak, demons tremble. That screams she heard, if we could attune our ears to the spirit, when we say, Satan, be gone, that's what we hear. That's what we would hear. When we walk into darkness, that's what we would hear. Screaming, let me get out of here. Let me get out of here. Because they don't want to be around the sword of the Spirit. So this is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And it's for you and it's for me. It's a regulation sword. It's the regulation sword. A soldier, I've never been one, Brother Bannon can tell me. Are soldiers allowed to choose what weapons they use? Can you just go out and pick one? You can't. Can you choose what color it is? Can you choose if it's cute or not? You cannot. A soldier's not allowed to choose his own equipment. He carries the weapons supplied by his leader. So when the devil comes against me, I pick up the sword that's the regulation sword of the kingdom. There's not a bunch of swords to choose from. There's only one. And my leader gave it to me. And he said, here you go. This is the regulation sword in Christ's army. And it will win every time so let's pick it up and fight let's fight let's fight we're fighting from victory we're seeing things done in the spirit world we fight knowing that god has already won the victory and then he turned around and gave it to us and he said here you've got the power to do the same you've got the power to tread on serpents and scorpions you've got the power to speak to a mountain and it be moved you've got the power to pray for people and they be healed in jesus name all through the sword of the spirit Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com.